1: Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Any uh, problems with the jet lag so far?
3: Uh, you know, it it affects you during the race, but um, I usually get on on like wherever I'm going that time zone pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I feel good now, especially since I'm now it's starting. I'm starting to wake up anyway, but. Um, it's when I go home that it's worse yeah. because then you have the two trips in like a week and mm-hmm. your body just can't adjust that quickly again. So usually I have more of a problem
2: going home. But You don't do the, the old Dalai Lama tale that he sits down to meditate just to wait for this, his soul to arrive? No, I haven't <laughs> tried that. I haven't tried that. So... Well, we it's, it's, it's Friday now, so you have 24 hours to meditate, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See if it catches up. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15 of the Husky International series and a long interview with American runner Max King. My name is Magnus Ormestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. You will find more info about this episode and of previous episodes on huskypodcast.com. Most episodes are in Swedish, but there is a podcast channel called Husky International, where I gather all the English ones. So please subscribe to that one or to the Ordinary Husky channel, where I publish all the episodes. If you listen to this using Acast, you will get additional treats like pictures, links and videos as you listen. And finally, I've had the chance to try out a pair of Bose SoundSport headphones this summer, which is perfect, because they're really made for listening while running, biking, or whatever. SoundSports are also rain and sweat resistant, so it's really the perfect headphones for all the Husky listeners. And now you have the chance of winning a pair. So please check out the Husky Facebook page for more info about the competition. But um, your your impressions of uh, because like what, what I just told you before before starting recording this you are like literally in the heart of what many people would say that Sweden is like uh. Mora and Dalarna you know the red houses yeah and the small Dala horses the horses yeah, yeah.
3: and uh, just you know I don't know just it's what you think of as Sweden it's it's the forest land that surrounds it it's it's fairly flat kind of rolling. Um, you know, this, uh, the forest floor being very soft and a lot of boggy marsh-type areas and stuff in the forest and uh, kind of rural. Uh, there's, but it's, you know, it's beautiful out here. I mean, with the houses and the little towns uh, in between, you have trails and dirt roads and stuff. And, yeah, it's just, it's uh, really cool. So i love i love visiting areas like this and that's why part of the reason i love trail running is you get outside of cities and you get to the heart of the country and you get to the heart of the culture being out in an area like this and it's probably hasn't changed very much in the last 300 years probably you know and and i love seeing areas like that and all the history that goes along with it and um it's part of the reason i'm here is just the history of the Vosselopet and then the course and what it means to the people here and stuff is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean because we're in the city center, and it's like you can really tell it's really built around this. It is, yeah. You know? And some of the
3: the towns out there, you know, they're kind of built around those, um, those the aid stations basically. Um, and it's it's cool to see that, and it's cool that the um, the people have you know, it's part of their history, but it's also a sporting event now. Um, and they really built that into the fabric of 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 their lives basically and and so that's it's really neat to see that and because we don't have that in the u s We have races with some history to them uh like western states one hundred has an incredible history to it, but it's only you know forty years old um and it's not 500 years old. Um, and that's where, you know, the Vosloppa course comes from is it's, it's been around, you know, the history of it comes, goes back 500 years. And I mean, that's incredible. You know, that's, that's really cool. And, um, and so you know that there's a lot of history there and then the race itself is almost 90 years old. And, um, so that's, that's kind of gone through a lot of different stages, um, as far as like how that's been run and how, um, you know what it's what it's meant to the people and the history behind it and now you know obviously it started out as a ski race and it's been that for the for almost the past ninety years and now they're kind of weaving that into the fabric of their of their summer uh, recreational activities with cycle vossen starting in two thousand nine and now um, ultra vossen and, and stuff like that so it's neat
2: they're gonna they're really they're gonna send you away as the perfect ambassador. For uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's they mentored you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't actually.
3: I don't know the history very well yet, but I, I, need, I do need to read more about it. Um, but there's, uh, I know there's a lot there uh, and stuff, and that's part of the reason why I went to Comrades. You know, it's you hear about Comrades uh, as far as like you know. Okay, so it's been around ninety years. There's tons of history behind it. Um, there's been a few Americans that have run it. Alberto Salazar won it, um, and he's been the only American that's done that. Um, and then you get there and you realize how much, how big of a deal it is for the people of South Africa. And for the most part, not that many foreigners run that race. It's, you know, it, out of 23,000 people, 18,000 of them are from, uh, South Africa, uh, which is just incredible when you think about the people of South Africa and, and how really running is probably not that much a part of their lives on a daily basis. But you get this race and the history behind it and that forms, uh, it forms the fabric of like what people are shooting for every year as their challenge, as their goal. And then you get 18,000 people from, from this uh, relatively small country uh, doing this race. It's just incredible. Uh, and and everything's built around it. Um, and it just, the, the whole the whole year is a build up to this one race. And, and that's pretty cool. Uh,
2: you participated for the first time in commerce. Right? right. Yeah, that was the first time I'd done that. Hmm. So.
3: But I love those types of races. I mean, there's always, there's got to be something that's going to draw you to a race. Uh, and it could be uh, the course is spectacular, um, the competition is good, or for me, like, the history of a race really plays into it a lot. And I love races with that type of history behind it. And uh, and that's that's a big draw for
2: me. So. But had you heard of uh, Vasa Loppet, like, prior to coming here?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not not a lot because I'm not involved in that ski world. Um, you know, I, I, don't really Nordic ski all that much. I've Alpine skied all my life. Um, and living in Bend, Oregon, we have a pretty, pretty good ski culture, uh, going back quite a ways. Um, not 500 years, but it's a, it's a good cross country ski culture. And so, you know, you live there and you're surrounded by it and stuff you hear about, you know, you hear about Pasa and you know, you know, it's a big ski race, and that's about it. You don't know anything else about it really um nobody's nobody really talks about it that much, and so you know it's this big ski race that's in Europe, and a lot of the ski racers they go over for it maybe every year um and it's a big one, but that's about it. you know you don't know a whole lot about it so
2: but where is um where is home for you now uh bent
3: oregon uh so we're on far west coast of the u s right above. California basically that's you know a lot of people in Europe are like um where's Oregon and we're, I'm like well it's on the west coast and they're like but there's Washington and then there's California and yeah I'm like yeah we're we're squeezed right in there right <laughs> in between those two so yeah we're um, just kind of right in there Bend is right in the center of Oregon's actually quite dry there we're up in the mountains um, at about uh, we live at about 1200 meters which isn't particularly high, but no, for Sweden, that would be high. <laughs> right, it's for incredibly Sweden high. <laughs> and uh, so we're kinda on the, the rain shadow side. So everybody thinks of Oregon as being really wet and very um, very green and stuff. And we are the exact opposite. We're in the high desert. Uh, one half of town goes up toward the mountains and it's ponderosa pine forests. Um, and it's, you know, that part of the town is green and it's forest and stuff, and the other side of town is very dry, it goes out into the desert and um, and sagebrush and juniper trees and stuff like that. So.
2: But that's where you uh, grew up? It's not, no, I've
3: been there for about 13 years, but I grew up in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. um, actually, and then uh, Southern Oregon spent summers in Sacramento with my dad, um, but uh, but most of the time went to school and everything in Southern Oregon, Medford area, and grew up there.
2: Uh, what was your, uh, your childhood like? Um, eh, you know, I
3: don't know, your typical kind of american childhood i suppose for part of it uh, we were pretty rural uh we lived out outside of town about uh, 13 miles or so out in the woods had a couple acres and basically i spent my days running through the forest and i loved it out there and and that's really kind of where i grew to love uh, love the outdoors and love the forest and then um and then we moved into town, um, suburban neighborhood. Spent uh, middle school and high school there. Um, basically you basic, you know, grow up in in kind of a suburb in town. Play basketball out on the on the on the basketball court in the front yard, and um, play with all the kids in your neighborhood, and and then uh, go to school. And...
2: But you've never been kind of an urban urban kid.
3: No, I've never been in a big city. Um, never really lived in a big city or anything like that. So. Um, no, for the most part, I try to try to stay out of big cities.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I like
3: cities and stuff, and um, there's a lot of really unique ones and stuff that I've been around um, throughout, you know, just my, my running career and running track and and cross country and stuff. But uh, yeah, I just it, it would be hard to live in one. I I like smaller areas. So
2: the more pickup trucks, the better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
3: I don't, I don't know. It, it's yes, yeah, it's. it's it's that a little bit. And, uh, um, it's, I think it's the, the, the little bit more wide open spaces. Mm. Um, people tend to be friendlier. You, I like, I like being in a town where I know everyone, mm. I think is part of it. And I like, uh, being part of that fabric of the community and, and, and being involved with it and, and having people know me and me knowing other people. And, and it's always nice when you're in in somewhere in a town and, you can go to the grocery store, and you know, you know most of the people in the grocery store. You say hi to them, and it's it's very friendly, and it's a very uh, in like intertwined community. Everybody knows everybody, and yeah. it's
2: and a, a very like a social safety to it. Yeah. I was uh, the spring I went yeah. to Iceland, and I went to a small small fishing village, and the family that I stayed with that I spent a couple of days with. They had owned their house more than ten years. They don't even own a key to their house. They <laughs> never ever lock it. I mean, to me, it's. Uh, no, it's 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 a nice yeah. nice touch. <laughs> yeah,
3: I and I like that feeling. Um, and yeah.
2: Uh, as a kid, what 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 did you want to become when you grew up?
3: Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, think of way back. It was kind of like uh, I wanted to be an artist. Actually, uh, I tended to draw a lot and everything else. And then. As I grew up through through high school and stuff, everything pointed me away from being an artist. I was very much <laughs> into math and science and not creative at all. And so uh, the, that artistic side kind of uh, the it got focused more into architecture. And then I was going to be an architect for quite a while. Um, eventually, ended up um, you know going to college and architecture. Then kind of. I realized what it took to be an architect, I think, and it's, you know, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, not that engineering's not, but architecture's a lot of work, and so I eventually went into engineering. And just using that math and science side, you know, it's like I was definitely stronger in math and science than anything else in high school, and so eventually got, got into
2: engineering, but yeah, I don't know. What kind of, uh, I mean, still talking about you as a small kid, what kind of role models did you have? Did you have any, like, within sports, or did you have anyone that particular that stood out?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think I remember um, Dan O'Brien, who is a track athlete, decathlon, world record holder. He was actually from a very small town, Klamath Falls, about 40 miles away from me. Uh, he came to talk to us, um, and I think and that was when I had, after I had started track and stuff. And so I knew a little bit about track and, um, and that was pretty inspiring to, to just have that, have him come see us in person. Um, and that was, that was, you know, somebody that I really looked up to as well as, you know, your typical sports athletes. Michael Jordan was a huge one. You know, I used to have some, I had one of the first pairs of Air Jordans, you know, <laughs> one, of, one of those years and like, they were awesome. And, you know, I was terrible ba- at basketball, and then that was not something that was going to happen for me to, at you know five six. But
2: um,
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jordan was definitely a big role model for me, and because I was definitely in that that era of growing up around that. So,
2: but as a also as a kid running around in the forest, um, did you have these like dreams of, or visions of adventure? <sighs> no, I mean
3: I don't think so. I was always <laughs> in involved in the outdoors. Um, during the summers, my dad would uh, take me backpacking and definitely outdoors was always part of what I did. I mountain biked a lot. I loved mountain biking and um, and we went backpacking, we went boating, uh, camping, you know, so outdoors it, was always in there.
2: It and was like a natural part of
3: yeah, it. Yeah, it was part of the, my childhood is, of growing up was definitely being in the outdoors mm. and, and stuff and I, I loved doing that. and But I don't think I had any uh, just ideas that I was going to be this.
2: Put the flag on some mountaintop. Right,
3: yeah. Um, and I, I was thinking about that actually the other day, and um, I realized that um, as, I, as I've as i gotten older, it definitely has kind of creeped into my life a little bit more. And and every time I get a taste of it, it inspires me to do more. And so uh, I, f- I start feeling like, oh, I need, to, I need an adventure. I need to get out, do something epic. And once I do it, I'm like, that was awesome. Now I need to, like, it's like a addiction and you need to kind of satisfy that a little bit more all the time. And during high school, uh, I was looking through some old, old photos and um, I realized that there's this, uh, there's this trail, that, it's a Jeep trail that goes, uh, it's called the Rubicon Trail and it goes from Loon Lake a little small lake up in the Sierra mountains out in California, goes over to Tahoe. Um, cross-country big rocks it's a jeep trail that's um you know it's a pretty famous jeep trail that they use and i wanted to mountain bike this thing and so me and my sister and a friend of ours one summer we took our mountain bikes up there and i mean this is in the era of like, no
2: suspension no suspension
3: <laughs> it was fully rigid bike it was steel steel frame, steel frame. Uh, and we tried to bike this thing and you know it's like this was high school so I was a little bit older and a little bit stronger my sister was two years younger than me uh, and not exactly like an athlete she was in cross country and stuff and we did this we biked this trail and it was something that we walked most of it you know we were off our bikes and we I, I loved it I had a ton of fun and you know, didn't know anything about nutrition, so we were all hungry by the end of the day. And, you know, it was probably bonking. And it was just, it was probably a really bad scene. But I remember just, like, how awesome it was. And, like, for that period of time, it was totally epic for me. And so that was, that was one of those first tastes of that adventure, that adventure lifestyle and going, you know, taking yourself on your own two feet and going from point A to point B and and every every year that gets to be a little bit more now.
2: And uh, now if you're gonna spend some time with Killian, you never know where you will end up. I know, I know, and
3: <laughs> that's what's awesome. It's like now being on the Solomon team is like, okay, I get to hang out with Killian once in a while. And, <laughs> Uh, he, he yeah, it may. Um, I think it could be fairly epic. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Actually, is uh, some pretty good adventures, and uh, I haven't actually gotten to hang out with him too much. He's been off doing other things this year, but I'm sure that uh, we'll hook up at some time and get to do something fun.
2: But the sports side, did you? Uh, does it run in your family? Like when you entered, like running, because. Y- the first running you did was like tracks. Yeah. Hmm.
3: Yeah. I started out in track. Um, and it was more of a it was more that it was a natural progression into track and field of me just knowing that I was a better runner than I than in any other sport. I was terrible hand eye coordination. Basketball was awful. And then, but my dad did run. Um, My dad ran in high school and college, um, and by the time I came along and got into my running career, he was not running anymore. But at the same time, something you always talked about. He still had the
2: shoes on the wall. No, (laughs) he didn't
3: actually. It was long enough that you know didn't have the shoes on the wall either. But um, but uh, definitely something he talked about. You know, and it was something that I knew about his background and um, and probably helped kind
2: of steer me that direction. I would say. but it was, the, um, it was the sport itself, it wasn't kind of a, kind of a certain vibe around the, the running crowd or something that draw you into it, like kind of a social part of it?
3: No, and it was very not part of um, my life at that point in seventh grade. Um, the town where I live, you know, running wasn't a big part of anything and um, it was mostly baseball, basketball, football, that sort of thing, um, uh, kind of a blue collar town. It was just that I played all those other sports, and I was terrible. I, I remember going out in seventh grade for the basketball team, and I got cut from the A team. I got cut from the B team. <laughs> there were enough of us left over that we formed a C team, right? And the A and the B team played all the other big middle schools in the area. The C team, we got put in a league with all the other very, very small Christian schools in the area. And we lost every single game that year. <laughs> I remember one game we had, and we lost the game 60 to 3. <laughs> but I made the 3 point. Oh. So I but kept, that was, I it, kept was because it from of, being a scoreless. It was because of the
2: Jordan shoes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it might have been,
3: actually, yeah. But, yeah, that's how bad we were and how bad I was. But the good thing about it, though, is I was fast at that time. So I got to play the entire game. Uh, I was terrible with the basketball, obviously. Um, and But I got to run up and down the court, and I'd get somebody to follow me, and I'd just wear them out. You know, I'd just wear them out. I'd keep running until they were worn out, and then they'd send somebody else in off the bench. I'd wear them out until they got tired, and then eventually uh, I'd be open, and they couldn't follow me anymore. So I got the ball a lot.
2: <laughs> but w- w- when, it, when it came to running, did you have, like, uh at an early stage, did you have some kind of vision or goal that you were aiming for and striving for?
3: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't I don't remember too much about it, but I do know like, I've always been fairly competitive uh, and and winning actually makes a difference to me. And so I get, I, got, I did get a small taste of that, you know, in seventh grade starting right out. I knew from PE and stuff that I had some running talent. I would beat everybody in the PE mile and stuff. And but getting back getting right into track and field um that first year um basically as far as we could go was the district championships which was the all the middle schools in the area and i won the three thousand meters in that first district championships that i'd ever run so i knew right off the bat that hey i had at least a little bit of talent coming in that i was going to be able to do pretty well in this sport um and then you know it kind of just continued on from there so um
2: yeah did you have it do you remember if you had a a certain point or face or something where you started to uh like define yourself or identify yourself as a as a runner yeah i mean definitely in high
3: school um part of i was a pretty shy kid until high school basically or, or midway through high school when running the success of running helped me come out of my shell and really gave me the confidence to talk to people and to be confident in social situations. Um, and I think that's probably you know what helped, uh, I don't know if it defined me as a runner per se, but it definitely helped my confidence and it kind of made me who I am today, I guess you could say that. I mean, it's kind of since high school has defined what I've always done in my life. Uh, up to this point and uh, for a long time it was tough like i didn't want to be defined as just a runner you know um but now i'm totally comfortable with it i'm a runner so and i'm fine with it you know it's like yeah okay my life is defined by what i've done and now i've i've made it to the point where everything that i do is is surrounded by running it involves running and i'm very much defined my life is very much defined by running
2: did you have it like from your from my high school days maybe did you have any like good or bad experiences that kind of affected your path in either way like closed any doors or opened any doors like uh, coaches or experiences or
3: well going into college actually I wasn't sure I was going to run as I went into college just because so I was totally focused on academics um, I knew that I was looking for a college that had either engineering or architecture um, and I knew that that was, you know, the direction I was going to go. And I had no aspirations of being a professional runner at that point um, or even running after college. I kind of thought I would run in college. So um, I was looking for a school. I was got recruited by a few schools and stuff. But I still wasn't really sure I was that was what I was going to do during college uh, until I got there and started running with the team. And it became... Um, something that I connected with right away uh, in college. Uh, but in high school, I really, there were times where I really just did not enjoy running. Uh, I was doing it just. But that was still
2: just tracks.
3: I was doing just track, track and cross country okay, at that okay, point. Okay. So I was doing both um, and running f- pretty much year round. I swam my senior year, um, so I was doing something. But um, it became, it was more about winning than it was about training about running about fitness about enjoying the lifestyle and I really didn't like it I every day I would go out and um, I had a I had a really nice coach he was great Um, just didn't really know how to coach a runner Um, and so I I was uh, every every day I would go out run as hard as I could no matter what it was it was supposed to be an easy run I'd run as hard as I could and basically, I mean, kind of burnt myself out. Definitely did not reach my the potential that I could have during high school. Um, didn't do as well um, my senior year because of that idea that I had to go hard every single day um, and just didn't know any better at that time. And so I didn't like running because of that. I thought it was, it felt hard and I was just going after the glory of, of winning at the end of the year, making it to state meet. And so didn't really like running. It wasn't as social for me um, until college when there were people that I could run with and easy runs became easy. Hard workouts became hard and you got to go through these workouts with other people and feel their pain with them. And that's what kind of binds a team together and and creates friendships is, is that hard work that you have to go through together and stuff. And I, I got that during college and that's when running became more of a lifestyle choice for me and stuff. And then every year since then, after college um, and stuff, it's it's become more and more of that lifestyle choice and that social outlet for me. Uh, all my friends are runners. That sort of thing, you know. The people that you hang out with are runners, and it's it becomes ingrained in everything you kind of in everything you do. Uh,
2: but at what point did you kind of start to think that it could be? A possible way for you to to become a, a sponsored like a pro pro runner a pro athlete
3: uh, Not until not until much later. Um, I took a couple years after college um, College, I was not thinking about that at all. You know, I was I was decent my senior year basically um, and That was the first kind of taste that I had of Really being a little bit better on like a national scale, but still not quite there I took a couple of years off after college Jumped back into it about two thousand five into the running scene and immediately started at a level that was far above where I had ended college and attribute that to a lot of different things. But um, started at, the, at a level that I hadn't hit during college, and so automatically I was I was a lot better, um, and that kind of opened a lot of doors for me to be on teams, um, get some sort of financial. Help, um, but at the time I was working a full time full time job and um, didn't really have any uh, any thoughts of changing that um, until about two thousand six or seven. Um, and at that point, started putting more effort into the running side of things. Um, the job kind of took a backseat in two thousand seven. I actually moved to Eugene for about a year and a half to be on the Oregon Track Club and to actually just train full-time and see what I could do in the 2008 Olympic trials. Um, and so did that. Uh, that was a, a great experience, a terrible end experience. <laughs> like the, the 2008 Olympic trials just went terrible for me. So went back to work for two more years while still continuing to run a little bit. Um, but it, at that time, because of those that year and a half off, um, then I was thinking about how do I get out of this? How do I how do I make running work for me and how do I make it a lifestyle choice? Um, and so I was looking for that extra piece of the puzzle. I was, I was winning races and stuff and have, having some success with some prize money and stuff, but not enough to, to make my wife happy and, <laughs> and to quit my job. So I was looking for that extra piece of the puzzle. Um, and in 2010, um, a job opened up uh, for, a, um, for a sales rep for a shoe company. And I talked to our local um, specialty running store. He's, the owner was a friend of mine, and I said, hey, I'm looking at this job as a possible way to get out of engineering and to go into more running-related stuff. And he's like, trust me, you don't want to do that. Come work for me, um, I will, you know, there's. I'm gonna give you the, the footwear buying position, and you can do that and see how you like it and just let things roll from there. And so that's what I did. It opened up that piece of that pie that was going to let me have enough financial support that I could actually make running a lifestyle. And so uh, so I did that, and that was about five years ago now. Um, and so fairly, I mean, I've had kind of a, a backward progression as far as like the professional athlete would would go you know most of them come right up out of college get a uh, sponsorship and then eventually that kind of tails off at the end of their career and I've totally gone the other way had a full-time job and a real job and then kind of you know and I've been getting out of that and now I'm just the ball's kind of just it keeps rolling for me which is great so
2: was that a was that that progress or that transition? Was it a, a somewhat of a of a scary transition at some point, or was it just follow? I mean, you just had to to follow your heart. Like you really you owed it to yourself or whatever that you really had to give this a shot, or was it? Th- so it was all natural for you, or was it sometimes a bit like what What the hell am I doing? <laughs> like leaving leaving this job and this oh, paycheck
3: no. or whatever? Or it totally was, and you don't just quit a good engineering job in a town like Bend Oregon where it's hard to find a job in the first place but a good job is like impossible to find you just don't do that you know and so um, I got a lot of um, kickback from my family obviously you know like um, what do you what do you do what are you doing don't do that so uh, yeah it was it was really hard to make that decision but I felt like at the time that was, where I wanted to go it was you know it's kind of one of those things where okay I'm in the I'm I was actually doing pharmaceutical engineering uh, research and development um, and you you kind of feel like okay so there's a ton of things that we were working on that were very very helpful for people Um, you know working on diabetes medications cancer medications um, any of those sorts of things and we'd we'd get something in every once in a while and it would be something that i just didn't feel comfortable working on for a, it's you know for a condition that would be just go out and run and it's going to take care of itself you know one of those types of things where you know what instead of popping a pill <laughs> get off your butt and go exercise <laughs> And it's gonna fix a lot of those problems that you're, that you're having. And so um, I got to the point where, okay, so I was in kind of that preventative um, or the, the reactionary care side of things. And I thought, well, you know what? I feel like for myself, I can, I can do a lot more good trying to inspire people, helping them on the other side of it and doing the kind of the preventative care side of things by working in a running store. Inspiring people with through my running um, to get out there and do something and to make their lives better through exercise rather than popping a pill, you know, and so it was it was I was torn between the two. But at the same time, I really felt like that was the direction I needed to go uh, in order to make that uh, make it easier for myself. And, and that was something that I uh, an argument I really used to make uh, to make that transition a little bit easier and a little bit smoother and make it. Uh, not not quite as hard for myself,
2: you know. But is that is that life behind you? Like you close that door, or is it just on hold? What um, do you know? I don't know. Totally, <laughs> I I feel like it's that that question. By the way, is, is was sent to me uh, by your family. By the way, my family. Yeah, oh. okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they know
3: they know what I'm thinking there. No, I actually um, that is behind me as much as, as much as it can be, I think. Um, is it something that I would never go back to? No, I mean, I totally would um, if the right opportunity presented itself. And Because I love that side of, um, of who I am, of being an engineer, of working on complex problems and stuff, but I also see the ability to do that in the industry that I'm in now, in the running industry. Um, and every day when somebody walks through that door in the running store and I help put them in a pair of shoes I'm using my engineering background to figure out exactly what the right shoe for them is and basically engineering and is problem solving and that's what I'm doing every day and so um, I don't get paid quite as much for it but it's the same sort of thing and I feel like I'm if I can help somebody get into a pair of good running shoes that's going to make them comfortable, then they're going to like running um, more than they have in the past. Then I've done my job and I've, I I feel like I've helped somebody as much as I, as much as I used to when I was doing pharmaceutical research. Um, And that's part of, I don't know, that to me is really cool.
2: So Um, why do you think this kind of, uh, these, like this, um, trail running trend slash adventure trend? Why do you think it's so popular right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean,
3: I think there's a lot of different reasons why it's, it's growing really, really quickly. I mean, people are concentrated in cities, you know, and we're talking very broad here, uh, but people are concentrated in cities around people all the time and very artificial man-made surfaces. Uh, and I think... It's like trail running is different. It gives them an outlet to get out and in into nature and to really feel what it feels like to be disconnected from the rest of society and stuff and, and that's my 5,000 foot like general overview of what trail, why people trail run but because there's honestly there's a ton of different reasons yeah. why people do it and, and stuff and why I do it is very different from why somebody living in a city would do it and stuff. and Um, you know, I, I don't know for me, I love being outdoors. I love being out in nature and I feel more free and, um, just, I just feel better out there. You know, it's, it's, I enjoy both. I enjoy running on, on tarmac and on the track and everything else. But, um, I enjoy running out in the woods as well. Part of that is just because I just enjoy, I just enjoy running. Um,
2: um, thinking from your running background I mean did you did you see it coming like uh, I don't know 10 years ago or something did you see this boom coming would you would you have believed it oh uh, yeah I mean I would
3: say like yeah I mean you look at other sports and stuff like that and and how big like how fast and how big mountain biking got for a while um, I, yeah, I think so. It, people need that outlet. And for the most people, most I think most people are running for the sake of fitness, um, for obviously being outdoors and doing something. Um, and what we've seen a big boom in is the racing side of things. And But most people out there aren't really racing. Uh, a lot of people are, yes, but a lot of people are out there for the social side of things and for um, for fitness and stuff like that. And they do races as, as a goal to shoot for, to give themselves somewhere to go to challenge themselves. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's something that people are looking for that next challenge and trail running is kind of that next step after they've been on the road, maybe for a 5k or something like that. Now they're looking at, okay, they've done a 10k, they've done a marathon on the road. Okay, now I need something new and that's why specifically the ultra running boom I feel like has gotten so big it's like people there's a lot of people are just doing 5 k and 10k trail runs um, but the the bigger I think more of the focus I think has been on that ultra side of things and people are looking for that next big challenge too
2: Do you so. see any other trends in running maybe you don't even think about think about it no I mean I do it's just it's
3: tough to see other trends. Um, coming before they're here you know it's like that's the that's the idea behind a trend it starts slow and then it just builds momentum until it's big enough one time they're like that's a trend (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean obviously like a really easy one to pick out right now is just the maximal cushioning shoes i mean who saw that coming everything started to trend toward more natural minimal minimal, and then boom on the the backside of minimal (laughs) movement comes this maximal shoe movement and you know working in a running store that is one of those things that just totally stands out to you um but i mean you know who knows i mean like in the u.s over here in europe not so much um it's not as much of a boom right now as it is in the u.s but sky running is is starting to become that trend in the u.s um and it's interesting to me that people need need something so technical and so hard for them to feel like they have a challenge and it's this is something that actually this is gets an issue that really frustrates me actually is that people need something that is longer in duration or longer in distance to feel like they're challenging themselves when that 5K, 10K trail race, you know, what they need to do to, make them so, to challenge themselves? They need to run fast. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> and no. it, for me, that frustrates me because I like running fast. And for me, it's something that I've worked on. Um, For a long time, coming from a track and a road background, obviously that's what you do. You try to get faster at these events. You don't just go up in distance and keep the same speed. You try to get faster at a given event. event. And a lot of the trend is to go longer and longer in trail races where, you know, I think there's some... um, some value in trying to go faster on at a 10k
2: or a half marathon too but you know the status ups, updates on facebook they get you know a lot sexier with the sky running part they do <laughs> i know i know it's the photos i know
3: and the no part. and and i think that that is part of it it's part of that aesthetic of sky running and stuff of being up high in the mountains and these huge beautiful uh, ridge lines and how epic the adventure was and stuff. I totally get it. I mean, I and that's what I love. And if I had to, if I have to pick a, a race based on that side of it, I definitely would pick a sky race. I love doing them, and and it's that aesthetic to them. Um, I would much rather run a sky race uh, or a sky, you know, that kind of a course for training um, for me because I'm better at it. Obviously, I have some bias. Yes. Um, I'm better at a flatter race, and so I like racing something that's going to be flatter um, because I'm better at it. Um, and that's, you know, that's obviously a bias because I'm better at it. But, um, you know, I, I think is yeah, but the sky side of things. I would, I'd love that side of things. I'd like those types of
2: courses better. So. Um, because you are kind of famous for like because you're you're active in so many different different disciplines. Um, do you get on a, a kind of an outside perspective of each of these disciplines, like outside perspective of trail running and ultra running and like marathon running, uh, or is it and and is it is it is it healthy? Do you think, like mentally, to, to kind of escape this trail community to just go run like tarmac <laughs> and then you go just run asphalt? Or
3: something? I don't know. I don't know if it's healthy or or if, <laughs> I, if I need that outlet or not. I I kind of feel like I, I would say I don't know if it's necessarily an outside perspective as much as it is an inside perspective of Oh being, yeah, I mean yeah, you, get I get, you get both. I get both. I get the yeah. perspective of being a road runner and I get to get the perspective of being a trail runner. And I like having my fingers in a lot of different things mm-hmm. and that's why part of why I've kind of positioned myself uh, where I have in my career of of having having my hand in um, the development side of shoes, of selling shoes on the retail side of things, of working with marketing people um, in sponsorship. And then you know, I just like having my hands in things. And so like that's why I do a lot of these different events. So something new pops up, um, I want to kind of try it out. I want to be part of it. So. But I always like to also go back to what I've been doing before and still be involved in that community. And so that's why I like, you know, I've gotten involved in the trail community and then it was the ultra community. Um, and I feel very much a part of all of that now. But I also like to go back and get in the road roads, too. I, still, I mean, for a couple of reasons, uh, you know, just socially, I have friends in road community and track community. Um, but also because I still enjoy that side of my running life and I still enjoy running fast on a track and I enjoy running fast on a road. Um, and so I still want to be a part of that and stuff. And, and it's it's interesting that I can have that kind of perspective of being on the roads and then being on the trails. And um, I don't know if that makes it any better or anything else. It's just what it is. Um, and,
2: Yeah. But is it a is it a big or is it any difference between the uh like the running communities from 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 these different disciplines, like uh, um, yeah, he's the a typical road runner. <laughs> typ- there, there's more facial hair in trail and ultra. There's thing. way more facial hair, and I'm trying to grow this mustache <laughs> right now, <laughs> and I'm
3: I'm failing miserably because this has been like two months, and obviously you can't see this, but it's been like two months. But I have this little peach buzz on my upper lip, and it's it's really sad, but I can't actually grow the facial hair that's required for me running ultras, you know. So I'm not really an ultra runner. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's definitely differences between that road community and the trail community, for sure. Um, culturally, y- you go to a trail race, it's much more laid back. Um, it's much more just a different kind of scene than a, than a road race is. Um, and and that, that kind of, I would say that translates over to the elite side as well. Um, The elite side of things at a track or a road race is, is, uh, it is higher strung. I I hesitate to use that side of things because I have friends that are totally laid back in their normal lives and stuff. But yes, it is um, a little bit more type A and it's a different feel to it than it is in a trail race. Um, and there are differences. It's really hard to kind of put your finger on it and actually put it into words, I guess. But yeah, you you go to a trail race and a road race, and you feel that difference in those in those two cultures.
2: Are there any tendencies to kind of that people brand like trail runners, for instance, as kind of a more of a lifestyle sport? And it's not so serious. Like th- those athletes are not that serious as road runners. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't. I'm just guessing now. So. Yeah, no. I mean, I I think trail runners probably kind of tend to put themselves on a pedestal because of that, you know. And but no, I don't think so. I mean, road runners. That is their lifestyle. They run. They just happen to run on different surfaces, um, and it's a little bit different culture. But that 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 can be very much their lifestyle, and that's what they do after work. That's um, that's what they that's what they do. Just the same as a trail runner, you know, has their most people are going to have a real job, and they trail run after work because they have the access to it, as opposed to um, you know somebody that lives in a city has access to roads a lot easier, and so it's very much the the similar type of thing, of that is that's the that's what they have available to them and that's what they do. And, and that's kind of how, that's the way I see it. Whether that's the same for everybody, I don't think so, but um, yeah. Uh. Ryan
0: Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Like I said earlier, you're you're called a renaissance man because you because you master so many disciplines. And also because you're, you're sitting before me draped in in velvet with a big... Like feather in your oh, head. absolutely yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, with like a skull, like um, in front of <laughs> my me. scepter here, yeah, and my, exactly. my crown. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> um, why do you think that suits you? Is it is like a, a first first prize in like a gene pool lottery, or is it like a mental part of you that's kind of I
3: I, know I I don't I like like we were talking about earlier with the history of things yeah. and tradition and stuff. I like. I like tradition. Um, for whatever reason, um, I'm, I'm nostalgic, I guess. Um, and while I was not around in the 70s, um, although people may think I am, I'm getting older now, but I was not around <laughs> in the 70s when the whole running boom took off. But um, back then, you hear stories about guys um, who, you know, the as things were taking off, a lot of the elite guys, they're very... Uh, laid back uh is kind of comes to mind but it was one of those things where they showed up uh, maybe the night before they slept in their truck and then they jumped out the next morning ran a race um and these were very elite olympians and and across the board you know people were people did that and they ran different distances and they didn't specialize in one particular thing and they did different things they might have run on the trails they might have run on the roads and track and cross country and and all of that sort of stuff. And I like that. I like that aspect of it. And um, I like being free enough to feel like I can do all of that and not specialize in any one particular discipline. And I think a lot of people, a lot of professional athletes have gotten pigeonholed or um, have been kind of forced into thinking that they need to focus on one particular distance, say the 5K, and that is all that they can do. And maybe they'll jump down to a mile for some speed work on the track, maybe they'll jump into a 5K road race or something, but it's very limiting. And for me, myself, I mean, they can get away with that and maybe that's what what gets them by and what gets them through, but there's no way I could do that. I would burn out in several months just sticking to one particular event, and I just wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and so that's why I do a lot of these different events and why I jump from cross-country to track to an ultra-trail race. Um, and I think that's kind of why I get that that title because I don't tend to stick to one thing like they, you know, like they used to and used to do a lot of different things and stuff.
2: Do you think that's a mistake that many athletes do, that they kind of fool themselves to think that I can only do this? Uh, Would you I... encourage people to...? Absolutely, mm. yeah. Uh,
3: anybody that I ever talk to or if I coach them I do encourage them to do different things and to try different races if they want to Mm. Um, but I think for a lot of people uh, reaching that next level and they need to do what they need to do to reach that next level to reach their goals and for a lot of people that may be sticking to one particular event and focusing on it throwing all of their energy at it and, and they can do that for, for years and years at a time and, they, and they, ma- they reach those goals, then that's what they needed to do to reach that goal. And um, I just know that there's no way I can do that. Um, but if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. So.
2: Um, do you ever get the feeling that people get kind of frustrated because they really can't pin you down? They really can't brand you?
3: I don't know. I don't know if people will get frustrated about it. People have tried to brand me all the time now. I, I think. do too fast. Everybody's, everybody's <laughs> calling me an ultra runner now. It's like, no, I'm not an ultra runner. I've only run 100 miler. Come on. <laughs> like up until that 100 miler, you really couldn't even call me an ultra runner. So I don't know. I don't know if people get frustrated about it or not. But um, yeah, I, I, everybody always tries to brand you, mm. you know, it's but...
2: I try to defy that brand. Somebody calls me an ultra runner. I go run a track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you give any like concrete examples? What you like? What you bring like to to promote this lifestyle? Like, w- what do you bring from, from one kind of discipline that helps you in another discipline? Like, oh, I, well, I take I bring this f- from track and I can use this in trail, like, uh, well, or, or vice versa. Um,
3: Starting, I mean, starting out on the trails, I think what a lot of people started to see was that this track guy, this guy from the roads and the track, all of a sudden he's coming over to trail and he's crushing all the trail guys because he's got some speed. It's like, oh, well, they have a lot of speed, they can run trails. They're really fast. So, <laughs> and we continue to see that, too, um, with Patrick Smythe and um, guys like that, who David Laney, who have come over from that track Background and then started tearing it up on the trails because they are very fast. Uh, but going the other way too, I had um, in two thousand twelve uh, going into the Olympic trials. I was doing a lot of trail racing at the time. Uh, did mountain running that year. Um, was doing a lot of trail trail focus type stuff in the in the fall, kind of leading up to the trials. Um, had a I did Zagama, which was in I think it was in April or I guess it was May right before the trials, did like six workouts before the trials, jumped into the trials and got sixth, which was my best result in any national championship since 2005 in the steeplechase. And I think what that did was prove, I don't know if it proved it to anybody else, proved it to myself that um, the strength that I had gained on the trails and running a lot of hills and elevation gain transferred over, translated to the track very, very well and gave me just that extra strength and the extra aerobic capacity to do really well in a short distance track race. I felt way stronger than I ever had before, felt healthier because I was, uh, what I think was because I was running trails and doing a lot more dynamic movements and and stuff like that. Um, And while the 3K on the track felt like I was sprinting the entire time, I felt the best on my la- very last lap, which you know normally, normally you're running as fast as you can, and you start to die on that last lap, and that's where I passed the majority of people. I just had a great last lap, um, and that didn't usually happen to me, and so I think I kind of proved myself that I could take that strength that I'd gained on the trails in the mountains and translate that into those short distance fast races too.
2: And uh, what's your take on, on like obstacle races because you've been doing that quite a lot? They're pretty
3: awesome. Um, <laughs> So I, I've been, um, I think I've been fairly outspoken about how easy cross country has gotten in the U S and, um, just like, I just feel like it's gotten to where it's more of a grass track race and not a true cross country race. And the first time I jumped into a obstacle race, I was like, you know what, that, that is cross country. Um, that was a good cross country course. If you take out all the obstacles that just comes down to, Bare bones, good cross country race, and I think that's what was so much fun about it um, was that aspect of um, what I've always loved to do: shorter distance cross country um, over varying terrain and stuff like that. It was not a trail race; it was it was truly like a cross country course, um, and I think that's why I really enjoyed that first one. And then you throw in all those obstacles on top of it, and it's like. Shoot, that just made it way more fun. Like that's like that was awesome. I get to carry a bucket up a hill, come back down, throw it down. I get to walk across a balance beam. I get to run through a big old mud pit, and you know, jump over logs and everything else. It's like I love that sort of stuff, and I've been doing that in the woods. Every time I run, you know, run through the woods, it's like that's an obstacle course. And so now I'm just you. You put a name to it. You put a start line and a finish line there, and now I get to do what I love to do. And so it, it was just a ton of fun. and and that's why I continue to do them and especially focusing on the ones where um, they are a little bit more running uh, related the obstacles they're not so like strength-based obviously I'm not going to train for those strength-based obstacles because of my running career Um, and so that's why you know I I don't mind I I like doing some I'm just I'm not going to run up to some obstacle where my weight is is limiting my ability on that particular obstacle where if I weighed 200 pounds, yeah, I'd be better at it. But it's it's not so much how strong you are. It's, it's how much you weigh. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But um, those ones where, yeah, I got to carry a bucket or a sandbag up the hill. It's like, yeah, that's just hard work. Um, and it's, it's cool. It's fun. It's like, yeah, that's um, I'm using some upper body strength. I'm using full body mechanics and functionality. It's like, yeah, that's that's cool. That's a good day, I'm now. down with that. It is, and <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So um, I'll definitely, you know, throw down with that of other crowd, and it, it, and that's another thing that makes it so uh, uh, makes it so cool. It's like you're out there with these this whole other group of people that are never gonna ever show up to a running race. And obviously I'm talking about the CrossFit crowd. I mean, yeah. You can put a name to it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. They're obstacle racers. They're doing CrossFit. They're strong guys. They're big guys who can run as well. It's just they're not going to enter just a running race. But you're, it's a totally different crowd. It's, um, but you get out there and you're like, you know what? These guys are really cool. Um, and a lot of a lot of runners... They look at the gym guys and they're like, oh, I would never do that. And they're just a bunch of meatheads and stuff. It's like, no, it's like they're the exact same culture that I see in trail running or even road running, same culture. Um, They just wouldn't show up to a running race. And so you never really get to see how cool that that culture is and that side of things. Um, And so that's been another really interesting side of the obstacle racing is you show up and you're out there with these 200-pound like beasts of guys who, have, <laughs> their arm is as big around as your leg, and you line up on the same start line with them, and you guys take off, and you're in the same race, and you're competing head to head with these guys, and they're obviously going to catch you on when you're carrying a bucket up a hill and struggling. They run right by you, but some of these guys can really run too. So it's awesome. It's cool. it's cool.
2: Um, it seems like many profiles like within. Especially within trail running, they become more or less like rock stars, uh, like portrayed as uh, if you look at the the movies and the uh, the, the the ads, and everything. It's very similar to uh, like backcountry skiing, for instance, mm. especially in the U.S. I think. Why do you think that is? Is it the photogenic <laughs> <laughs> because of the, <laughs> the nature and yeah?
3: I, actually, I think it's a lot of it's. Um I like why some of these guys, uh, some guys kind of get that rock star type persona is just because it's a lifestyle that a lot of people want to emulate, I feel like, and people who have a family and a full-time job and they look at a trail runner who's out there living out of his truck and a very nomadic type lifestyle, they're like, oh, that looks cool. I want to do that. And, and then it looks very freeing and, and stuff like that. And it's something that they could never, never, well, not that they could never, they could change their lifestyle to match that. But, um, like myself, it's just not something I can do. You know, it's like, I have a family. I, I, um, have a wife and a house and everything else. And, but I, I you know, I, and even myself, I look at, I look at guys and they're out there and just running in the mountains every day. It's like, Oh, how cool would that be? You know? Um, and, in, and I think that's probably why they kind of get that persona is because they get to li- live that lifestyle that a lot of us kind of look at and we're, we're envious of. So
2: um, I think that, I don't know, I think that's probably part of it. Maybe. Do, you ever, do you ever think of the, uh, of the brand Max King? The brand, Max King. Yeah, I mean, sure, a little bit, but I don't know. Is it a brand? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I mean, is it like this uh, social media part of the part of the job? Is it is it like a is it a fun part or is it kind of a well, you know, I have to. Yeah, like part of that is it is a job, and um, but I think it's something
3: that people kind of need to hear that our lifestyle is not we just go out and run in the woods and come back and and whatever you know it's like yeah this is a job for us and i know people don't always want to hear that either um they think that that takes away a lot of um keeping it real yeah keeping it real keeping it um keeping it um i don't know just how it used to be um and stuff but you have to you have to look at what people are doing in the sport now and and why they're why they're being paid for what they love to do, and I find I think that's you know, I think that's really cool that people get to get paid for what they love to do. Uh, people have been trying to do that all their you know their entire lives. I mean, everybody tries to do that, right? Get paid for what they love to do. And there's a there's a lot of facets to being a sponsored athlete that people wouldn't want to do, um, and and yeah we get to run every day and it's cool but we have a lot of other obligations and stuff that people wouldn't be willing to do it's like you take a recreational runner um and they have a full-time job and they run for their fun for their hobby but i think if a lot of those runners those the people that have the full-time job if they looked at running as a as what they actually had to do for a living they wouldn't want to do it anymore you know they do it as a hobby because it's fun for them as a hobby and not as a job uh, a lot of people think that they might but they when they actually got to that point and made it a job they find out that you know what it's not always easy like having the pressure of having to do well at a race or um, make some money at a race in order to put food on the table or um, having to always keep up with all the social media um, stuff like that, that side of things um, and having to run and just having to run every single day and having to run hundred miles a week or 120 a week or whatever it may be. It's like, then it becomes, you know, it's more of a job for a lot of people and not as much fun, but I truly enjoy what I'm doing and to be, to be paid for it. I feel like I'm very, very fortunate. Um, and I don't want anybody to really see that as me taking anything for granted or where I'm at in my life, uh, me taking that for granted, because I absolutely don't. Um, it's I'm totally I'm so fortunate that I can do it. I yes, I do have to do those social media posts, uh, make videos. I have to invoice, uh, you know, things for my expenses. I have expense reports. I, you know, it's like, yeah, it's I am my uh, the marketing director, the production manager, um, you know, the accountant for for all that I do, and so it becomes you got to do all those parts of it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So,
2: where do you get your inspiration for all of this?
3: Um, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's just being able to um, inspire people, being able to, you know, obviously I love doing what, I, what I'm doing for myself as, as a personal goal. Um, I love competition, I love competing, I love running and being out there and being fit for my own lifestyle. Um, and I would do it even if it wasn't my job. Um, but I also love that other side of trying to inspire people to, be, to make themselves better, to be out there, to be fit. Um, and that side of things too, and that's a big reason why
2: I, why I do it. How important are the uh, the surroundings when you're out like racing, running, training?
3: Um, you mean as far as like the aesthetics of where I yeah, am? Yeah, like
2: the nature, like the the, the feeling you get from.
3: It depends Um, for training and stuff. It has become much more of an issue in the past couple of years because (laughs) mostly because I've started doing more trails and stuff and I go to these beautiful places and like, oh, I want that. I want that every day. Rather you know, but I live in Bend, Oregon, and it's like I can't really complain because out my door, uh, about two hundred meters away is a trail, and I can go wherever I want to, and so I really I have that advantage living in Bend, and I can run on in a beautiful area every single day, and um, but um, you know, but then I got to get my road runs in too. So, um, but I I don't know. Changing it up, I think maybe is 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 the best I can give you on that. Changing it up for Mm. me makes it. Keeps my motivation going.
2: So. Um, it seems like for many of the, the the trail runners, the mountains are kind of a big thing. Mm-hmm. Is the same with you?
3: Yeah, it, actually, it's funny. I was thinking about that today, and uh, in Sweden, there's no mountains. I mean, really, not in the mountains here. Um, but it's really extremely beautiful, and I would I love running out here on the on the forest trails and stuff. And for me it's less about the mountains for me than it is about the forest. And, um, the, the Solomon running TV episode, uh, just to plug, plug this right now <laughs> back uh, a couple of months ago, they did a piece on the forest. Yeah. Um, and uh, they took out a lot of that, like, okay, this is a Solomon video and this is, this is the person we're highlighting or the race that we're highlighting. And they just did a segment on the forest. And I really, it was amazing. Yeah, it, it was totally amazing. and, and being i've been to the redwoods obviously and um it was it was a piece that i it really struck a chord with me because that's what i love about running is the landscape and in particular the forest Uh, and so it is probably for me a little less about the mountains and more about the forests um uh, but you know obviously i i I love running a lot of different areas but the forest is really cool to me
2: but you um like if you look all year round, do you, you also ski a lot, like active winter time? hmm you do like, ski touring? or
3: Yeah, um, I, I've alpine skied all my life actually and um, really kind of put that aside for a couple of years there um, as I got more into running and stuff because on the weekends it was like, well, do I go skiing or do I get a long run in? And it became, well, I really need to get a long run in. So skiing could have took a back seat, and I really stopped skiing for a couple of years um, pretty much completely. And I really missed it um, because I've been doing it all my life, and downhill skiing is a lot of fun. And so as, you know, obviously I got inspired by Killian um, doing a lot of mountain like mountaineering um, and ski mountaineering and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what, I, I think I could get a pair of AT skis and do some touring get my workout in and have a lot of fun on the downhill and so that's what i did about probably three years ago now i got a pair of at skis um and i use that as my workout in the winter a lot of times and it transfers over to running really really well um it's just like climbing hills and stuff so the the translation there is great um get a workout in but then i get to have a lot of fun coming down so (laughs) it's awesome and i love it yeah and it's a lot of fun so i spend i spend not, I wouldn't say a lot of time during the winter, but some time during the winter, doing that as well. Um,
2: speaking of races, um, like how often do you, do you, how often do you race yourself, and how often do you race the uh, competition?
3: Um, oh, the difference there. Um, I, I tend to race a lot, um, and I because I like the competition side of things, and so I race pretty much all year round for the most part. Um, and I race a lot of different things and a lot of, I race a lot, um, a lot of times, depending on my race schedule, it will be 20 to 25 races a year. Some of those local regional races that are a little smaller that maybe you're more of a training run, um, with some bigger international type or very competitive national races in there. Um, and I think, you know, those, it depends on the race of when I'm racing myself versus when I'm racing, um, somebody else, uh, it, obviously I think if it's a competitive race, um, like one like this weekend, um, it'll be more of me racing the competition, um, and the win is what I'm after. Whereas like sometimes, yeah, I'll race myself if I'm going for like a PR in a marathon or something like that, or, or if I'm just out for a workout you know, then it's more me racing myself and,
2: and stuff and
3: so it just depends on the race um, Depends on the situation.
2: What would you say? Mainly drives your career? What motivates you?
3: Oh, that's a tough one. I think if I took any Any one piece of it out. I think things would probably start to fall apart. You know, um, I've uh, I Look at where I am now and realize that um, Competition is probably going to become less and less uh, over the next several years, ten years, maybe uh, five years. Who knows? Um, but right now, competition is very much uh, in that fold, and and drives me to better myself, to train hard, to motivate me for races. But on the other side, um, just you know, I also feel a lot of motivation for just the lifestyle that I'm leading in trying to. Um, make it better for future generations so that's i mean that's why i coach a lot of younger kids high school middle school um, but also try and inspire them to make their lives better through exercise and activity and and inspire people to get outside and that that is that side of me that keeps me going every day as far as getting out the door and doing these inspiring things and inspiring for me but also for other people out in the mountains um, being in really cool places. It's like yeah if I can get um, You know get myself out there and do something really cool in the mountains get a good photo of it For example and, and post that it's like yeah, I'm actually inspiring myself to get out there But also hopefully somebody else as
2: well On a race day. How, how are you? How do you how do you work on race day? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I kind of shut down a little bit um, I'm, I'm fairly quiet in the morning um, before a race or anything, it's it's tough to kind of. I'm inside myself. I'm I'm talking to myself and and thinking about the race and going through that and stuff. So I'm very I would say introverted during you know on race day and stuff. And I've noticed though that it helps if I right before the race start talking to somebody. If I really kind of get out of my own head and talk to somebody, joke a little bit, and kind of just breathe a sigh of relief right before the race, then the gun goes off and then it's race time and. Um, usually at that point depending on the race because in an ultra you really have to mellow out and you can't be inside and just thinking about the race right off in an ultra you really have to kind of take a deep breath and let things go and play out how they're going to play out um, whereas in a shorter race right off the bat you're very focused you're, you're thinking about how, how fast you're going what your body's doing um, you're inside and just going through your checklist of everything that's going on with you like making sure everything's right and doing what you need to do uh and stuff so
2: but when it is uh you know as tough as it gets when you're when you almost like hitting the wall what does your reactor look like like your core what keeps you uh what keeps you up and what keeps you going
3: um i think in the moment it's competition i think it's it's the, other the it's, yeah, it's, it's the uh, feeling that I'm not as good that I'm going to lose. I don't like that feeling, you know, uh, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's definitely people out there who are less competitive that can totally let people go and stuff, um, and race themselves. But uh, yeah, if there's somebody in front of me, it's, it's, it's about the competition. It's, um, I don't want to let them go. I don't want to lose. And that's, what's kind of keeping me going at the time.
2: Have you ever like broke down on on a race?
3: Sure, absolutely. I mean, you have those races. You know, you're going to, especially in an ultra, when things aren't going right. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a I, there's a fork in the road. I guess when you do start to break down of which direction you're going to go, you're going to be mad at yourself and kind of down on yourself, or are you going to be stay positive and know, you know, <clears throat> know that you did everything you could that day uh, to, to get to the finish line first or be competitive. And it just wasn't your day and you know, you got to remain positive and think about, uh, what you need to change for next time and wh- what you can take from that experience and what you're going to learn from that experience. And, um, I think the people that, uh, you know, runners that choose the other direction that beat themselves up, maybe that's motivating for them. Um, but I, f- I feel like that's gonna, that's gonna tear you down and burn you out faster. If you can stay positive on that other side and learn from that experience, you're going to grow from that experience and either, you know, hopefully not make that, if you made a mistake, hopefully not make that mistake next time, or just look at it as, Hey, it was a bad day. I'm going to come back. I'm in good shape. And, and get after it the next time. I think that is a much healthier way to, to kind of go about that. And when you do break down and, Oh man, I've had some spectacular breakdowns (laughs) since starting to run ultras in a shorter race, your breakdowns are, you know they're there uh, but they're a little less obvious but in an ultra man you break down you break down <laughs> i've had some spectacular days where i remember sierras and all uh, two years ago i was going in and i didn't feel 100 percent right and i think what i ended up being was i was just kind of sick you know, leading up to the race um and i was going good for um, I don't know, 10K or so, got up to the top of the, the climb, and this was my second series and all, so I'm like, okay, top of the climb, I'm going for it now. I started speeding up, and I'm like, all right, my legs are good, my legs are good, I'm going. And maybe, like, 3K later, I was like, everything started to shut down. And I'm like, I'm not good. I am not good. This is not good. And I just felt terrible. And it was such a weird feeling, like, just because... Go from it from top to bottom? Well, no, I've uh, done that before, yeah. F- plenty of times. Exactly. It was more about like my body just didn't feel right, sure. it didn't feel good, it didn't feel like I was a normal bunk uh, where I was just losing energy. I was like not feeling good. Um, went through like an aid station i'm like oh screw it started eating the chocolate and the candy and the tea and just kind of making it more of a day out there on the trails <laughs> than anything and running you know you get up to vice and you're up at the top of the climb and the views are just spectacular and i'm like i'm done <laughs> so this was a spectacular blow up and just you know letting people go walking down the trail the rest of the way. And at one point I was sprawled out in the grass on the side of the trail just laying there because I felt so bad. And I'm like, I gotta make it to the finish line. So I was letting people go by and the the women go by cheering them on because they're friends. And like, go Megan. (laughs) And she looks at me and she's like, ooh, you're not having a good day, are you? (laughs) I'm like, nope, I'm done. So, you know, eventually I made it to the finish line. And uh, the post-race party is, is there, and it's fun, and you, know, you just enjoy the time with your friends and know that, hey, the day, it wasn't, it wasn't my day, um, maybe I was sick, maybe I wasn't, something was wrong, and, and you just move on. Just accept it. You accept it, right. you move on, and know that your next race is going to be better. So.
2: What's your, here's a tough one, <laughs> your, your, uh, uh, your relation to your body? Um, What what was it like? Because I can imagine, I mean, in your line of work that sometimes people maybe uh, end up at some points like see their body as kind of a kind of a tool, kind of a, I don't know, are you sometimes like, I don't know, dislocated from your body or is it just the opposite that you?
3: Uh, I I guess in in that, I don't know, in that sense, I guess I would, I feel like I'm, no, I'm the opposite. I'm very connected of my body um I know what's going on with it I don't like being disconnected from it um this is this is an odd question I guess because I don't think about this very much but um I do think about like what I'm doing to my body and and stuff and how I want how how my mind-body relationship works I guess and it's very very much a mind over matter sort of a relationship I feel like like uh, if my mind's in control of my body, then, I'm, then it's doing what I want it to do. Um, and so I always like that connection, I think. And so I always want my mind to control what my body's doing. And so that's how I try to base everything that I do on my movements, is, is be very conscious about how I'm moving, what I'm doing, what my body's doing. And to be able to do that, I have to be very connected to my mind. Um, and I, I guess that's—I don't know—that might be as best as I've ever put it, um, or even thought about it. I guess, but yeah, it, it, I think it's like being having that connectedness is really, really important for me. And
2: um, because, it. because i can, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, because I can imagine at some point, like it's like the body is trying to tell you something. Like, dude, my kidneys—it's—we can't take it anymore. But but then on the other hand, you have yeah. your mind. Like, you know that you have to push yourself in order to overcome this obstacle this uh right no and
3: you're right i mean there are especially in an ultra there are times where you absolutely have to listen to your body and what it's doing um because if you don't you're you're going to be in trouble and so you're there are times where you do need to listen to your body and and there's a there's a quote out there i'm trying to remember um but i like it it's um in training you listen to your body in racing you tell it to shut up and it's perfect. I love that. Um, and it, it very much resonates with me because yes, in a race, like my body starts going to hell and I start, (laughs) I start dying in an ultra. It's like, I just want to tell it to shut up and just move (laughs) and keep going. And you know, a lot of times you just can't, you have to listen to it. It's just shutting down and it's not going to go anywhere. So
2: yeah. But it's not a, do you have some, do you find some certain attraction in the, the uncomfortable like when you're, when it's cold, when, it, when it's, when you have pain I th- and... I think,
3: I'm going to say, yeah,
2: because otherwise I wouldn't
3: do what I do. Um, I, I don't know if I like it necessarily. Like I like being comfortable, but at, I don't know. At the same time though, I look for that for, I look to be uncomfortable and I, I like that feeling. I like being uncomfortable, I guess. I just said I didn't, but yeah, I, guess I, I guess I do. <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I wouldn't do what I do. It's like, you know, every time I'm, I've always come from kind of a background of I'm always going to be better in adverse conditions. You take a cross country or a track race back in college or high school. If it were muddy, if it were raining, if it were cold, I was better on that day than my competitors were relative to when it was nice. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I, I still relish, you know, that aspect of being better under adversity than my competition is, and and a, as part of something that makes me a better, better runner, a better athlete, is being being better under adverse conditions, not letting things get to me and bother me.
2: Where does your mind take you when you're out, like on the long runs? Oh. It, it, any,
3: anywhere and everywhere. Um, I like some of those long runs and I, am I'm not a music person. I don't listen to music out there because I like to, I like to hear nature. I like to hear my footsteps. I like to hear the animals, the trees, the wind, you know, just what's around me, uh, and stuff and, and be connected that way. And so my mind just kind of, it wanders a lot. I I get a lot of work done actually when I'm out on a, on a run. I think about, um, what what's happening with life where life's going um i guess my life in particular um and and get some work done out there and figure things out for myself and stuff and that's usually that usually tends to be kind of where things are at um is is just working on through problems
2: um being part of the the Solomon team now what is it what does it entail what is it, what does it mean for you well um
3: it's Actually, a lot different than I thought it was gonna be.
2: Because it's it's from it's new from January, right? Yeah, from this year.
3: Yeah, mm. January was a big change for me in in changing teams to the Solomon team, and uh, it's it's different than I thought it was gonna be. It's actually a lot better, um, and I knew it was gonna be good. Just and otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but it's it's exceeded my expectations. I guess you could say and. Last year, at the end of the year, when I was trying to make this decision, I was looking at a lot of different aspects of uh, the positives and negatives of why I would want to change sponsors and uh, came down to a lot more positives on the Solomon side of things um, than I thought it would. And there were things like, okay, I had, I have a big shoe shelf at home with about 120 <laughs> pairs of shoes. Um, being a footwear buyer, being a footwear buyer, I had to try everything, right? So I try everything and and keep the ones that I really like, and it ended up being it's close to 120 at any one time. So I was looking at my shoe shelf, and I'm like, well, I've got one from Montreal, and I've got eight different pairs that I wear from Salomon. It's like, I got a pair for this, I got a pair for this, and I got that pair for this condition. It's like, wow, there, there's just a lot more here that I can work with, and it's a lot more specific. Um, I was looking at that, and I was just weighing everything, you know? And it came down to, like, Solemn was just clearly, like, a better choice for me, personally. And and it's exceeded my expectations in the in the fact that um, I went into Advance Week in March, and every year we get all, of, all of the athletes together, um, product development... Uh, side of things and we all come together, collaborate, do a lot of prototyping and testing and, and stuff like that. And then we all um, work on the product together. And that was very, very cool for me to see that side of things. The and engineering you came out. The engineering, just the the fact that they're using their athletes in a way that no other company does for product testing and development. Um, using what the what the athletes want, and really kind of innovating innovating the the new products based on that, and that was really cool. The fact that they listen to their athletes and that that they're getting a lot of new ideas from that. Some of them make it to production, some of them don't. Um, and also how much of a family the Solomon Group is, the Solomon family. It's like um, what was really cool to me, and and this is something I was talking to our U.S. guys about the other day of the the you know the the product development side um those guys are a family in, in amongst themselves they use the product they go out on weekends together um and and do races and stuff like that and then they get together with us and we have something to talk about um that's in common because they're all using and doing what we do and you can't really make a better product um you know, then if you're the one using it and that's really cool to me. And, and how much of a family that's the Solomon group is and everybody, you know, really respects each other, um, as athletes, but as people too. And we all encourage each other to do, um, do different things, do, you know, this particular race or, you know, cheer each other on in races and help each other out. If somebody, for example, somebody comes to a race, uh, somebody on our team and they're injured, and they can't race, well, then they're on the sidelines, they're at the aid station crewing for the rest of the people that are racing. Uh, And I don't think you see that all the time with a lot of other teams. You see a lot of separation and stuff. And the Solomon team is very much about collaboration and and getting together and being together as a a real team. And I, I like that aspect of it. And it's been something that I didn't really expect.
2: So... Is it difficult to plan your season when your, when your menu is so extensive and so wide? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is,
3: because there's so many darn races out there that I want to do. And it's like, oh shoot, there's three races on that weekend that I want to do, I have to pick one. So yeah, it, it's been, it's hard, and, um, but it's also at the same time um, exciting to do a lot of different things. And so I'm always trying to, to weigh, you know, going back to a race that I'd done the year before or going to a new one. Um, and uh, it just depends on what the situation is as far as like, whether I, whether I stay there or whether I go to a new race. And uh, a lot of times over the last couple of years, um, that has kind of morphed into, all right, I've got to try something different. So I've been doing a lot of different races every year, just because there are so many out there and they're all really cool races. Um, and so, and. I just love doing new stuff and I want to experience as much as I can.
2: What are you most proud of? Uh,
3: like as far as in my career, running career? I don't know. No, i say
2: to, to, to narrow it down a bit, you know, when it comes to running, for instance. Okay, all right. Um,
3: when it comes to running, I think, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, obviously, um, I think just to... Uh, the one that just pops into mind is, like, running accomplishment that I'm proud of is the World 100K Championships, the win there last year. Uh, and also my World Championship win at Mountain Running Championships uh, in 2011. It's like, okay, that was the pinnacle. Like, both of those were World Championships. I feel really good about that. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as far as, like, what I'm most proud of in uh, running, like, why, like, if you include everything with running, like, I've seen, I have... I have kids that are now in high school that I was coaching. I coached them all the way through middle school, and helped develop them as far as the athletes that they are today. And you know, I'm pretty darn proud of that—the the fact that I had an impact on their lives, and they're still running in high school, and they're doing really well. And running is now just a big part of their life. Um, and I'm pretty darn proud of proud of that side of things too. Um, and and that's you know that's all grouped into
2: the running too. So. And now you're aiming for Rio for uh, for the Olympics. That'd be nice. The marathon. Yeah, because you you fast marathon. What was it? Two, two hour fourteen.
3: I have a two fourteen thirty PR, mm-hmm. and the last marathon was LA Marathon, and a two seventeen thirty, barely squeaked under the qualifying trials standard. Um, and so yeah, I get to run the trials, uh, Olympic trials in February next year in LA, um, and. Absolutely. I'll definitely, I'm going to make a run at that, that Rio team. Is it likely? Is the marathon my best event? No, nah, probably not. <laughs> Do I, I, you know, it's a pretty outside chance. And I have to look at that realistically. Um, is it really in the cards that I'll probably be in Rio? No, it's not very likely, but you know what? It's, it's still, it's the U S Olympic trials, which, uh, it's one of the most competitive races, uh, in every four years, basically. So it's something that I really want to put myself out there and, and do and be a part of that. Um, and that's that's the side of me that loves going back into that road running background and tapping into that. And, and you, you know, part of it, it's like, well, shoot, I, I want to see if I'm still fast enough to compete with these guys, you know, and make sure that, hey, I'm on the trails, I'm doing these ultras. I want to make sure I'm not slowing down. And so part of it is a, is a reality check for me. And then part of it is just knowing that that's a really competitive race. I love competition. I want to be there, you know, so.
2: And how do you feel for Ultravasan tomorrow?
3: Ooh, Ultravasan's Saturday tomorrow, or not tomorrow, two days. Um, I feel, I mean, I feel good about it. Um, training's been going well, not necessarily super specific to this type
2: of a course right now. I've been- Because it's kind of a flat, according to you, it's kind of a flat. Yeah, I would say this is- a According fl- to everyone, it's, it's kind it's, of a yeah, flat. it's a flat course, yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, as far as a trail running course goes, this is a flat course. Um, and so it's particularly fast, um, pretty good footing. There's a couple of areas that are rooty and Rocky, but pretty fast. Um, I, you know, I haven't, I've been playing a lot in the mountains and stuff and not necessarily really, um, focused on this particular race format for me. Um, looking at other stuff later in the year and stuff, uh, feeling like I can go into this race. Still do well um, with the training that I've been doing, but not as much flat stuff, flat, fast stuff. Um, So I don't know, it's like, I was was telling uh, Brian Powell yesterday, you go into an ultra and you don't really know what's gonna happen until at least halfway through the race and maybe not even then. Um, There's, you know, it used to be that short distance race, I knew whether I was in shape or not. I knew because based on my training and the workouts I've been doing, like how that race Mm -hmm. was gonna go. Um, but an ultra I have yet to figure out and it's like some days are good. Some days are bad and the days leading up to a race, I have no idea how that race is going to go. Um, it's, it's just something that it has to click on that day. Uh, your body has to be into it and, and you just don't know. So it's, it's an interesting feeling of not knowing what's going to happen.
2: At what stage are you now in, in your life? I mean, I'm at
3: the stage of like, I've gone backwards. As far as a professional athlete goes, I'm a professional athlete after I had a real career, um, and a real job. Um, I have a family with two kids now. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that I can I've been able to continue being a runner and doing the things that I'm doing and have a family, um, and 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 you know, take care of that aspect of my life. Um, Sometimes my wife would question that, um, (laughs) especially right now as I'm over in Sweden for a week (laughs) and a half, and she's at home with the kids and definitely um, having some trying times um, taking care of them. Uh, One's two and a half and one's six now. It's full action. It's full-on action, Mm -hmm. and and when she's alone with them, it's a lot of work. And so she definitely appreciates when I'm home now, I think, (laughs) which is good. Uh, And doesn't like it as much uh, with me traveling, but you know, it's, it's part of the job just as there's a lot of other dads out there um, that travel for their work as well. Uh, And so it's something that I have to do and I'm kind of at that, that point in my life where I've got the family, I've got the kids and I've got to take care of them, but I've also got this other wonderful job that I love doing and I want to continue doing it as long as I can.
2: Sounds good. Thank you so much for taking your time. Good luck on Saturday.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, being here and taking the time.
2: (laughs) Find out more at huskypodcast.com. You will also find Husky on Twitter and Instagram at the handle huskypodcast.com.